Welcome to the Social Impactors Podcast. This podcast is all about impact. We work to highlight impactful individuals making positive social change in their communities. From coaches, authors, entrepreneurs, influencers, we tap into the minds of some of the most impactful people around the world to find out how they have built a life of creating impact. Now listen in and be ready to go on a journey of enlightenment, motivation, and awe. Social Impact Everywhere. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Social Impactors Podcast, a podcast where we highlight people making positive change in their communities. And today we have a special guest, Chris Widener, and I just want to thank you for, you know, taking your time out of your day to come on the show. And I'd love for you just to introduce, you know, who you are, what you do, and why you believe you're a social impactor. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for having me on the show. I appreciate it. Um, I'll give you the, the brief synopsis of who I am. I uh, grew up in the Seattle area, had a kind of a bad upbringing. My dad died when I was four, which began a downward spiral. Um, ended up living in 28 homes, went to 11 different schools, started drugs in the fifth grade and made most of my money growing up uh, betting the horses at Long Acres Horse Track and uh, selling tickets to Seattle Mariners games out on the street corner. So you kind of get an idea of kind of where I was going. But I had a moment in my life where I decided, you know what, I wanted to be successful in life and I knew I was going in the wrong direction. So made some changes, went to college, got a degree in youth and family work, uh, ended up being asked to speak a lot when I graduated from college. And so uh, started talking to youth groups, summer camps, junior highs, colleges, and then have spent the last 30 years as a speaker. Uh, written almost 20 books, uh, translated into 13 languages, and it's taken me all around the world. And and uh, the primary book that I, I speak on is a book called The Art of Influence. And it's about uh, being able to influence people and influence culture and influence uh, groups and things like that. So um, I believe that I've been a social influencer uh, via my speaking engagements, uh, spoken to millions and millions of people around the world. I've had my own radio shows, my own television shows, a television show with Zig Ziglar, one of the most famed motivators of all time. Um, and so it's been great. And, and, you know, I think that really at the end of your life, you can have a lot of money or fancy cars or big homes. But the only thing that really lasts is the influence that we make and the impact we make on the people around us that, that lives on beyond uh, what it is that we might have accumulated. It, it, and that's that's such a true statement that that impact you create will last lifetimes. It'll last. It can last centuries, right? And that's really what makes a difference in your legacy, right? People always talk about legacy, and they associate that with you know doing a lot in the world that might be monetarily. But when you make that positive social impact, that makes ripple effects throughout throughout generations. Yeah, I mean, you look at a guy like Jim Rohn. Are you familiar with Jim Rohn? Yep. Okay, so Jim gave Tony Robbins his first job. Not many people know that, but when Tony was 17 years old, uh, he went to work for Jim selling Jim Rohn seminars. In fact, Tony and I both spoke at Jim's funeral. You can still find it. You can Google Jim Rohn Memorial Service and you can find Tony and me and a couple of, you know, Darren Hardy and some of those guys giving speeches, right, at Jim's memorial. Look at the impact. Jim passed away now, I think nine years ago now. And yet, so Jim is no longer spending his money or driving his cars or living in his homes, right? It's gone. 
But guys like Tony, and I spent the last seven years of Jim Rohn's life, I wrote his last book with him, 12 Pillars, and then thousands of other speakers who have listened to Jim Rohn's philosophies and things like that, who continue to make an impact in the lives of people. So that's just a very pragmatic way of looking at it. Once you pass away, all your money's gone, all your homes, all your cars, all that stuff. It's the people that you've impacted that continue to make an impact. Hmm. And so that's, that's a great transition. Let's transition to the first official question then. But how are you making you, how are you making a positive impact in your communities? Yeah, so we're involved with a number of different things. One is called uh, JAG, which is uh, Jobs for Arizona Graduates. And so we go down and we work with um, uh, seniors, usually in uh, more underprivileged uh, areas, and we help them uh, write their essays for college applications. That's one thing that we do. We're involved with a group called MASK, um, which uh, helps in the area of bullying and things like that. Um, you know, helping kids understand that. Big fundraiser every October here in, in Scottsdale. Um, there's a big group out here called Fight Night, which was started by Muhammad Ali. Uh, they raise millions of dollars every year since uh, Muhammad Ali has passed away. It's moved on to some other um, uh, charities as well. So whether it's uh, giving financially or being involved charitably, charitably or actually showing up and, and helping people, those are there's lots of ways that people can, can make a difference. Hmm. And so then do you believe <coughs> social impact is an important part of what business is from a different lens now? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I think if you think about uh, the second law of thermodynamics, that everything are, is working towards entropy, right? That everything is falling apart. If you if you take a, a statue and you it's brand new and you put it out in the weather, five years later, it's going to be worse off. It's not going to be. I think there's a lot of cultural and social entropy. Things tend to get worse without people who step in and make it better. And so I believe that there is social entropy and social entropy is only stopped by people who come in and say, wait a minute, we're not going to let this get worse. We're going to make it better. And so by proactively uh, as a business uh, donating money or opening its doors for people to learn or grow or donating, uh, you know, if you're a baker, you can donate that food at the end of the day that wasn't sold, you know, all those kinds of ways that a business could actively uh, engage. Um, but being involved politically, I believe, is also something. Uh, and of course, as individuals and as families, getting yourself involved in, in uh, social causes. And it's funny, too, because uh, I think that there's a little bit of a misconception on when you when you give, uh, you know, back a social impact that it doesn't have anything to do with financial contribution or financial gain, but it's actually been shown and I don't have the statistics on me, but I believe there's something like a two to three percent increase in profit or ROI in businesses that have a triple bottom line, right? There is a direct correlation to helping people and helping some sort of social cause and also making money. Yeah, I mean, think about it. If you have a hundred customers and all of a sudden you say, we're going to start giving 5% of our profits. Uh, and let's say you have a, you know, a hundred, a uh, hundred customers, they each give you a dollar a year. It's a hundred dollars. Well, now you say, okay, well, we're going to take five of those dollars and give them away. Well, now you're at 95, but there are a certain amount of people that are going to say, wait a minute, I like this company because they donate to this charity. Well, now you have 120 customers. Right. So now you're making one hundred and twenty dollars, but you're giving away five percent. And so you're actually coming out ahead. And I think that that's the way that it works. And statistics bear that out. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I thought that was such an interesting view of it, though, because it's such a, a flip on what they think traditional philanthropy is. Right. When you have a social impact embedded in a business, you do better. Yeah, um, absolutely. 
Yeah, yeah. And and so the last question then, just the, the final question, it's more on the personal level. And so what is your advice for others to begin making a positive impact in their communities? You know, I would say that the best thing to do is to ask what touches your heart. So it's, it's interesting to me. There are some things that other people might be very passionate about or will touch their heart or make them cry. And for some reason, it just doesn't strike a chord with me. I mean, I can see it, I can look at it objectively and say, yeah, that's a problem or that's an issue. But then there are certain things that when I see it, it actually tugs at my heartstrings, right? And it moves me emotionally. And so I would say, ask yourself, what are the things that move you emotionally? So that you can be not just intellectually connected to it as something that you know is a social issue, but something that uh, tugs your emotional heartstrings so that you can be engaged intellectually and emotionally, because that's gonna create more of a connection and it's gonna create more of a glue, right? It's gonna drive you and compel you to actually get involved. <laughs> I, I I, I like that you, there, there's there's so much difference between what some people find as, you know, a, a positive social impact and what others do, but there's a reason for that, right? When you have diversification of positive impact, you impact so many levels of what society has to offer. Yeah, you know, like for example, poor uh, people who are born into poverty and, and have a hard time getting out of it, uh, they're in circumstances that make it difficult, that touches my heart. And so what's interesting is, is when my children were growing up, um, I was doing very well financially and, and there was really not anything that I wanted that I didn't already have. Mm -hmm. So my kids would say, dad, it's so hard to buy for Christmas. And so what I ended up the last number of years as my kids got older and moved out was I told them to um, go to World Vision or Red Heifer Project and buy a bunch of chickens for farmers in a third world country or buy honeybees or you know something like that that would enable somebody um, to be able to start a business to take control of their own financial uh, destiny in their future because that made me feel good mm. and so it was nothing that i received but somebody else received it my children they could buy it for 25 dollars or 20 dollars or something like that and um and that's how many of that was most of what my christmas <laughs> presents were for probably the last 10 years of my kids uh lives before they moved out and, and went out on their own <laughs> I, I do the same thing too, and I find that uh, they're, they're, that's very, you know, traditional charity, but it's such an integral part sometimes of what we can offer, yeah. right? Because $25 for, 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 you know, for me in Canada or for your, for your children, it's, it's yeah. very little, right? But $25 goes a long way in a country where that $25 buys food for the next two years, right? Right, exactly. So I always tell people, pay up and show up, right? You can help out by, by donating and you can help out by showing up and, and making a difference. So pay up and show up. Those are the two ways to make a social impact. I like that, pay up and show up. <laughs> Uh, Chris, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast, you know, bringing that lens of traditional philanthropy, but also, you know, like you said, show up. Like that yeah. was important. Pay up and show up. I like that. So, Chris, thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. Sure thing. I appreciate it.